All right, we are live. Welcome everyone to another episode of Folico Live. I think we've got a really exciting slate of uh, topics to go through today. So now our show today is going to be really about biotech. Have we reached a bottom there? Uh, and we're going to bring you along with us as we explore this space. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. In fact, it actually wasn't our original intention to talk biotech today. But if you recall, in our episode yesterday, we were talking about healthcare and we did some sorting on that whole sector. And we realized at the top of pretty much every forecasting window, biotech is just popping in the healthcare sector. So if you're looking for strength in healthcare, which if you recall was a little bit of a mixed bag, biotech is an interesting place to look. So we're going to zoom in on that, but we're also going to explore what makes a biotech company successful in the stock market uh, versus other industries, because it's actually quite unique. Uh, sometimes you're looking at cash flow, sometimes you're looking at growth potential. This is really going to be a little bit of a different beast. So we're going to talk through that. But first, first, I think we've got something really exciting to talk about. So if you recall and go back, watch our show from this last Monday, we did an earnings roundup. Okay. And the big conclusion from our earnings roundup was uh, going through the, the earnings reports for the week, Rite Aid. Rite Aid was really an interesting uh, company to look at. This week, we're going to go through what our prediction was, how we arrived at that prediction, and what's been happening ever since then, and how we've been trading, because we have been trading on this information since Monday. So let's jump right into it. Tyler, you ready? Yeah, absolutely. So like we mentioned on Monday, um, we we came out with a, with a pretty, pretty non-consensus call on Rite Aid. We're looking for 40% upside over the next 12 weeks. That is now 30% upside over the next 11 weeks. Uh, the stock has moved from 618 on the open on Tuesday to about uh, 707 here after that earnings beat. So that's that's a pretty nice move to start. Um, you know, we're we're well on our way and we've we've reached our our one end almost four week forecast in, in three days, which is you know pretty exciting, especially when you're on some calls. Um, so how did we how did we get here? How did we pick Rite Aid of all things? Um, so I will I will start with on you know over the weekend I get a list of the upcoming earnings reports you know from from any from everybody. Then I go and I look in Felico and I basically scan. I'll, I'll share my screen so we can kind of just show what I have going on over here. Um, And this is going to be the process, by the way, that we're going to be repeating every week. So every Monday is going to be uh, our earnings roundup episode. That's where we're going to go through all the earnings releases for the week. We have some uh, very special models that we have in order to predict what those earnings reports are going to be like. Uh, the accuracy on our models is getting pretty scary accurate. In, in our testing that we've been doing on a live basis and our trading that we've been doing for the past three or so months, we'll tell you a little bit about our successes there. Uh, and actually, a few wrong calls as well. You're gonna get you're gonna get both here, but by and large, this has been a very successful set of models. Every Monday, tune in. We're gonna be going through these earnings reports. So hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so that you're notified whenever we're going live, so that you don't miss a second of our coverage and miss that trading opportunity before it hits. Go ahead, Tyler. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through it. So like I mentioned, um, you know, this is kind of the bottom of the order in terms in terms of earnings. So we only had three or four names on our coverage list, uh, Lenner, um, CarMax, FedEx. And we did a, we did a preview on, on Monday. We will preview all of these, but 
we really didn't have have much anything you know exciting to say either way you know but here we did so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start with the genesis of of the first part of the screener so we have found that the divergence between the orange line which is our our earnings power factor and the gray line which is price has been significant um going into earnings so i want to reiterate this is a one-factor model for effectively earnings weeks betting um, is is you know if, if I could if I could simplify it this is what we're trying to do is is systematize a way to trade earnings and we are using Felico to look for uh, you know unexpected moves we we were able to accurately show that Netflix was was going to go the wrong way um, that earnings power had started to to deteriorate going into earnings. Uh, and this was really the opposite here. Earnings power had bottomed sometime in March and had really you know, done some work to get off the bottom here. Well, the stock just kind of muddled there. Um, we've had many such setups actually this quarter, one being uh, Kingsoft KC um, that, that had a, you know, a, some nice upside because the stock hadn't realized that basically the earnings you know, factor had turned until, until earnings itself is reported. That's basically what we see is four times a year, the price should revert towards earnings power is basically you know, how we think of it is once a quarter, those lines have to uh, have a conversation and figure out where they need to be. So that's step one. So I, I see that's obviously very interesting. Um, so then we go to step two, we look at the forecast, 40% return in, in, you know, 12 weeks. That's, that's a call. That's a, that's a, you know, a view you want to put on. That's a view you get paid to put on. And, you know, if you're right, that's a view you'll get paid for. Um, and, and real quick, Tyler, I want to jump in on this because this is interesting. Look at that forecast and look how smooth it is. Look how smooth that upside is. Sometimes you'll get like a 40% upside uh, call out like that on our forecast, but it'll be choppy, right? Like four weeks in, we're looking at down. Eight weeks later, we're, we're, we're looking it up. And that's that actually is an indicator of some volatility, maybe a little bit more risk. Uh, if we were uh, to break this down to a sharp ratio on what our forecasts are going to do, you're, you're looking at even if you achieve that higher return, more volatility to your portfolio. But when you're seeing something smooth like this, uh, that is absolutely a signal that, this, that there's something going on in this company. Yes. And, and you know, I, I think I said something on Monday to the effect of, you know, we're putting our feet in the ground and we're making the call here. We're saying we're agree. We agree with the 40 percent upside here. And yeah, I mean one of the most important things you know when you know i've been spending time with and trying to use felico to confirm trades um is the conviction is is to start to be able to to uh you know distill okay so felico thinks this how sure and so you know it's things like this where you know we have a, a nice line that just to me tells me that felico thinks this is just you know grossly undervalued you know we don't see I mean, look at this. The so we give we don't just give a prediction; we give a band. So our prediction is basically, you know, what is in the middle. But if you look here, our band is between thirty percent and fifty percent of upside. So we we see scenarios in which, you know, it's up fifty percent in th in three months. Um, and by the way, just just for everyone's knowledge, that's the ninety five percent confidence interval. So when you have a lower band that's 
that is still not too much of a haircut if it doesn't like if it hits that lower band and you're still okay but if it hits that upper band and and life is just phenomenal that's definitely a signal and that lower band is higher than current prices i believe right uh way higher i mean it's 30 it's 30 percent. that would be uh like a buck and a half higher from here after a 10 percent move and so i mean pretty much all alarms going off right aid right aid was strong so that and tyler that's your process to then you send me some tickers at that point, right? You send some tickers to run through our next earnings power model, right? Yes. So we we will we will then are you talking about specifically RAD? Yeah, yeah. So I, let's I was do thinking it. Let's, let's talk through exactly what we do next to then make the call. So I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the screen share from you here. Uh, this is the output of then we take all this information, the health score data and the modeling data. And remember why we're talking about this. We, we want to get to further information, but the next time you're wondering, well, how do these guys make their earnings reports calls? Like, what is it that's going into this whole process? Because remember, every Monday, every Monday we're coming out with new earnings report releases. That's our roundup. And so you're gonna want to tune in. Again, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you're getting all these insights straight to you. But this is what our model output looks like. And what, what I've done here is it's pretty straightforward. We're taking all of the data that we have available in Folico that's available to all of our customers. And then I'm just layering, if you happen to know the, the data science piece of this, I'm layering on top some light gradient boosted machines. So that's a machine learning technique that you can use. It's open source, that model. Uh, so you're just throwing all the Folico data into that model and you're able to come out with some outputs. There are a few tweaks that I make there to optimize it, but by and large, that's what you're looking at. I want you to be able to do these things yourself on your own machine. Uh, and we're, we're going to have some master classes on being on how to do that. Uh, so you can start showing us your own models. But essentially what we come out with this. Now, this is a probability distribution function right here. So uh, at the 50 percent, that's what we would call the expected value. All right. So our our consensus view from our models is right here at the 0.5. And so for Rite Aid, that's that's what we were calling. But then if you look at the 0.4, 0.3, in other words, there's a 70% chance that it will be higher than this point, right? So that's how you think about that. There's a 70% chance that it will be lower than this point, right? So th again, that's for PDFs, this is how you, how you think about it. But at the end of the day, the 0.5, that's what we're calling. What's interesting about this look here is if you look at the upside over 0.5, you see a very gentle increasing curve, okay? Or, or a gentle increasing slope right? If you go to the downside, you see massively increasing slope on the downside. And so what this is saying is um, it's going to be really hard, really, really hard for Rite Aid to be profitable in this quarter. Really hard. I mean, look at the how, how much in percentage you have to climb in order for Rite Aid to actually be profitable. So we're definitely calling a uh, negative net margin here. But at the same time, uh, there are scenarios that you could imagine uh, a, a pretty down earnings per share. However, so we're calling 0.5 here. Tyler, what actually happened? Because earnings were released this morning, right? Just a couple hours ago. Yes. And so what we had was negative uh, 60 cents a share, which was which was better than the expected negative 70 cents a share. And then we had about six billion flat in revenues, which was considerably better than the five spot seven five that uh, uh, you know the market consensus had uh, had for us there. So 
you know, Felico definitely beat the street on uh, on that one today. <clears throat> so then Monday, I'm giving you this data. What? How did you actually put it into action? So what happened since then? So there was there was a lot of ways to do this trade because you could have just closed your eyes, clicked you know buy, and just gotten long the stock, and you 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 know you'd be very happy. We got a we got a big move on the on the stock already, and you know we obviously think there's there's way more to go. But personally, uh, one of the most useful ways I have found to to trade Felico is to use options on stocks that we think have you know, basically a, a, you know, a crazy large outsized move coming, you know, 40% in the next 12 weeks, that was not even close to price by the options. So you, you get the opportunity to make, you know, a, a, a bet that gives you some, some convexity in the upside where, you know, you, you get paid some pretty good money to, uh, <clears throat> to put this trade on. That's not what I did. Um, you could have bought, you know, seven strike calls for for a very low premium, and and that and that would have worked incredibly well. But what I prefer to do, especially you know, as as we test this and and to take um, you know safer profile trades, I just bought the one week at the money call on Tuesday. At the all at the money means is it's the closest option to whatever the spot price is. So when when the stock opened at six eighteen on on Tuesday. I bought the six strike call. I paid 60 cents for that um, with the intention of holding it into earnings, because in my opinion, you don't get paid on earnings bets until, until the market delivers the event. Um, it's, you know, it's happens where the, the stock will run pre earnings or fall pre earnings and you don't have to carry the risk into the event, but that's very rare. And in my opinion, you know, you're, you're lying to yourself. If you're thinking, you know, I'm putting on an earnings trade and not carrying through earnings. No, if, if you're going to do this and you're going to, you know, use the, the health factor one, you know, the one factor model, like I am, you know, it, it, it's pretty imperative you do it this way. Um, but anyhow, so I bought the, the six strike call Monday um, and was actually able to roll out of it. Um, I, but, and by that, I mean, I sold the option I had, and I if, and for that I was able to purchase next week's option one uh, at seven instead of six, and was able to take money out of the trade. So now I have basically a free option for next week. Effectively, I've I've already covered what I what I put out this week, and basically the profit from the trade is is going to carry forward next week. So essentially, it's it's a riskless trade insofar as if the if the new option goes to zero, I'm basically, I'm flat for the position. I've, I've used what I made on this week's option to pay for next week's option is, is effectively how we do that. Um, and, and I'll go a little bit into that uh, more when we look at biotech, because we actually have some, some pretty fun upside ones there um, as well. And by the way, all right, again, I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this. Hit that subscribe button because we are going to have Tyler going through a whole masterclass on how to think about these, these options, trades, how to get started. You, you know, there's a ton of lingo here that goes into all this. It seems pretty complex, but once you start getting into it, that motion and that muscle develops and you can just go and, and start increasing your returns, doing the roll-ups, making these, um, these transactions just like Tyler's describing right now. Uh, but look, Tyler, I think this was a big win. This is exciting. Every Monday, we're going to be trying to get our audience as much of these wins as we possibly can. 
so look, excellent stuff. We need to move on. Uh, in the next 10 minutes, I want to talk about biotech. So again, biotech coming up uh, here. I, I want to talk about what an interesting uh, sector this is. And to kick us off, I actually want to take a look at where we're at with the market in, in total. So, uh, and actually, I'm going to, if you don't mind, Tyler, I'm going to take your screen down for just a second here as we go through this. So this is XBI, which is a biotech ETF. Uh, a, a group of very smart people have come together and said, if you're going to be measuring how biotech is doing, here's all the companies that are really a part of that. And then they make some weighted shares in, in that. So this represents a, a view uh, of how biotech is doing. Now, take a look at where this is at. It's at 71.79 right now, right? If you look across time for this, the last time biotech was like really at this level was June 11th, 2017. And, and you know, discounting these sharp drop uh, downs in 2018, of course, we had that big uh, volatility spike there in 2018 and then 2020, uh, some, you know, of course, COVID is starting. But if you look back here, 2017, mid 2017 is really the last time that biotech was trading at this level. Now, you've got to ask yourself, in the past, since 2017, what is that, five years? In the past five years, are we at a different state of innovation for biotech than we were five years ago? And, and in my opinion, this is just my view, 2020 and going into COVID was really the kickoff for the age of biotech, in my view. I mean, we have uh, Moderna coming out with uh, some mRNA vaccines, just incredible science coming into bear and increasing public trust with this kind of therapeutic. If you recall, this was the first real big major commercial success of mRNA vaccines. You think they're just going to give up at that? You think they're just going to be like, oh, mRNA. Remember that one time we pulled it off? That was great. No, there is an incredible slate of innovation coming out. And we're going to be uh, seeing amazing things happening for healthcare in the next five to seven years through biotech. Again, my opinion. So in my mind, having this selling at, at the same rate or same valuation as it was five years ago is a little bit ludicrous. But I want to go through and deep dive into how the biotech stocks actually appreciate in value. And I think one of the best ways to get a view of this is the number seven performing stock of the 2010s. That is Regeneron. It was a bio or is a biotech company, right? Let's take a quick look at Regeneron. So one nice thing about them, they actually have a whole timeline and history of their company uh, on their website. And so this is really illustrative to see what was the big events happening in their company. So um, you can see they're just getting started. They're listing uh, listed as a stock. They go their IPO for $91.6 million, raising that amount of capital in 1991. But 1992 is when they're doing their first big investigational drug. It was a neurotrophic factor, uh, and they're beginning uh, clinical development there. If we come back and we compare Regeneron and their stock prices in this time period, you can kind of see what's happening there. They're mostly flat. So they have their IPO at 17, mostly sitting flat. Things, you know, got rough for them in 94, 95. However, once this neurotrophic, and I, I hope I'm saying that right, I am not a biotech expert by any means, but we're going to talk through this. Um, 1992, phase three trials start, and this really is helping them out because this is going to be a big deal if they release the drug. So take a look at this. 
they're not being evaluated or the valuation of their stock is not based on current sales or current revenue so much as it is that pipeline of drug development and how that's being, uh, how that's performing in those clinical trials. So stage three being a big deal there. 1997, their state phase three trial falls flat, doesn't work out. And you can see exactly what happens to their stock price right at that time. Boom, it absolutely dives. Look at this. They go from $3 up to, uh, I mean, let's call it 18 because there's a spike, but really $18, 6X, 600% value return in two years. And then they plummet downward because of that innovation pipeline not being worth as much. So this is really what we see happening in, in biotech. And, and my big point is this. A lot of folks are going to say, okay, innovation, we're going to start seeing these drugs coming out in the next five, seven, 10 years. I'll wait till then. You know, as soon as they have this blockbuster drug come out or the innovation gets purchased by an innovation acquiree, which we're going to talk about later, right, Tyler? Uh, as soon as that happens, that's where I'm going to jump in. But I'm here to tell you, that's when you're too late. All right. That's, that's when the value has already been realized of that pipeline. So if you're going to make it with innovation in biotech, You've got to be able to understand this, understand the strengths of these companies in advance of things going well on their clinical pipeline. Okay, uh, and that's really where we're making this call right now. So don't wait for that five to seven years of innovation to strike in biotech. The time really to start seeing that bottom is around right now. So with that context, let's jump right in. Yeah. So I mean, just just kind of off the top here. Um, we our data is suggestive that the XBI ETF itself is closer to a bottom than not. Um, you know, we'll we'll go through some of the names, and we actually, uh, you know, Felico tells an interesting story again today. Um, you know, and it actually is consistent with you know what I I kind of personally have believed in the last you know six months to a year about the biotech sector. So let's jump in. So this is this is a sampling of biotech stocks. So we have you know your your high flyers, BIIB, Amgen, uh, Regeneron. We have you know some of your let's call them you know uh, there's no nice way to say this like you know these were these used to be great stocks you know BX <laughs> B, B, BHC and, and Teva. Um, you know, these, these used to be great companies, they've pretty much been sold, you know, for I'm not going to say almost a decade, but in, in the case of some of these, almost a decade. Um, but it does tell an interesting story. So if you look at our forward returns for some of the larger, you know, biotech names, Amgen, Regeneron, Moderna, um, all pretty flat forward returns. Um, but if which makes sense though, right? Because Moderna and Regeneron have these massive, massive valuations coming out of success on the COVID era. The COVID era is ending. So that means we need to let some air out of the tires, especially in a depressed stock market, right? So like it, it, it's kind of the, what have you done for me lately effect? Yes, that's, I, I think, I think that's, that's exactly right. I just think, you know, that's just telling you you know, demand pulled forward because of COVID. So, you know, this is where we pulled the demand from. So instead of rallying with the rest of the sector, you know, maybe these will stink a little bit. But, 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 look at these forecasts, BHC, Teva, Denali, 
Takata, Z Labs. I mean, 20% upside. I know it's biotech, so it's it's you know a higher volatility sector, but you know th- that would be that would be a pretty considerable move. And and you know we have reason to to believe that you know these forecasts will will realize or or be close. But what I think is very interesting is kind of the the delineation between the two. We have you know AstraZeneca flat returns as well. We basically have the the innovating companies who aren't large, who are potential buyout candidates, we have we have higher targets on and we have lower targets on the acquirers, basically. You know, when I think about, you know, who's who's buying, Amgen's buying, uh, Regeneron's buying, AstraZeneca's, you know, a buyer of, you know, companies and, and technologies like this. So I think, you know, that, that kind of fits. Meaning my- that they, they're not really themselves the big push on, on innovation themselves. As soon as the innovation is popping and as soon as it's really fitting that that phase three success, that's when they're going to acquire the tech, right? Right. They're, they're just going to bolt it on. They're not going to, you know, waste the time developing when, you know, Takata or, you know, I'm not I'm not calling for Takata buyout. I'm just that was the first one I saw or, you know, any of these other names are now cheap. The the uh, balance sheet situation in biotech is pretty decent. There is cash to buy here. So I would expect. Um, I actually do expect this. I do expect, you know, considerably higher prices and in, in some of these, you know, the, the, the lesser, you know, more innovative, less high quality, let's, let's call them, um, you know, not the biotech blue chips, um, you know, while the biotech blue chips kind of go sideways. So, um, you know, like I did yesterday, I took a look at some of the, the three month options pricing and in both cases, you know, we have we have significant upside, you know, versus the market. So, you know, if if I end up triggering a trade there, I will, you know, either I'll tweet it, I'll get back to you here, you know, one one or the other. But I do, you know, at least step one is complete and the model is, you know, seeing that BXC and Tiva are significantly cheap versus versus, you know, what are we think the upside is. Now, Tyler, can I can I take a second and, and push back on our own models, right? So, so a quick question is, I'm we're seeing this as really kind of a show me market, right? You've you've got success, show me. Don't don't just give me a growth story and some nice slides. Um, do we need a market turnaround to allow for this growth in order to hit these targets, or is this something that could be accessible and possible within current market conditions? I think it depends. I mean, I think if we're in an all out liquidation, uh, you know, uh, n- nothing survives, right? Like it's, it's just a matter of, did it, did it stink worse than the rest of your stuff in the portfolio? Right? Like you, you take those days, you take solace out of what stunk the least. Um, but if, but if we have some stability, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see any reason that, you know, biotech could at least outperform you know the general market this is this is as a sector is taken you know a tattooing so you know we're, we're back to levels that you know start to get interesting so i you know i do think that we should see you know some good upside so in other words if i understand it, this is a show me market but it's already been shown that's already priced in and all we have left is room for good news and room for uh a time to, to get back on the train. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I can't, there, there are already, and I, and I wish I had, had, uh, 
had brought some names with me, but there are, there are biotech shares that are plant, uh, are trading below cash, you know, like, and, and it's just, we have just a bunch of things like that, that when you start to like stack them up, you, you realize, okay, like, you know, risk rewards in my favor on the long side here. Um, you know, especially because, you know, what the, the backdrop for the next five to 10 years looks like in terms of, you know, us trying to innovate health and, you know, all the different ways that it's, it's entering our lives, whether, you know, UNH is partnering with Apple and putting everyone they insure on an Apple watch. And, you know, just, just, you know, like we were talking about, you know, any of this stuff, um, it's, it's the new, you know, then we're moving towards that now. When you, when you sign up with a company, you know, you used to get a bunch of signing bonuses and stuff. Now it's all, you know, cool healthcare stuff. Do you want, you know, do you want to go see these doctors? Do you want, you know, an ergonomic desk? Do you want, you know, just all the things for, you know, mental and physical health. So, you know, I, I do think this is a good level. I think we are, we are calling for biotech to bottom before the market does, I, I think would be a safe, would be a safe assumption. Um, but we would be focusing in, in these more, these more specky names where we have some significant upside model, uh, BHC and Teva being, you know, my two favorite, uh, partially because they have the most liquid options. So that's probably what I would look at. So Tyler, given that, it, there is some red on the screen, uh, as well as as well as some great upside. But you know, Regeneron and Moderna, um, is that to say we should be looking at individual tickers uh, instead of an ETF, or would you still suggest an ETF approach? So the XBI ETF specifically is like uh, the the it's equally weighted, and the weightings are very small. It's like you know one or two percent a company at the most, you know, like when we're looking at the top before we start going down. So XBI has some good diversification where you catch kind of all the different pockets. You know, I'm not a big diversification guy. That's only for if you're unsure, if you're, if you're sure you're supposed to be anti-diversified. Um, but this, this kind of diversification though, where you capture everything you're kind of looking for, I, I think is interesting, but you know, for me, I would probably prefer to trade BHC or Teva um, just, you know, based on we have a specific call on on those two as opposed to, you know, putting into context. I think XBI is along, but we have a directly along, you know, from our AI on these two names. So I would prefer to trade those because that's where we've been most successful. Great. All right, Tyler, I think we've got to cap off from there. I've got to make some trades. I just uh, full transparency. I am going to be adding in Teva as soon as the market opens for my own portfolio. Uh, and we're going to track that over the next 12 weeks. I I'm excited about that trade, probably BHC as well. So when I'm sharing my uh, Robinhood account in the future, you'll, you'll see those tickers in there and we'll see how they perform. Um, also, every week I want to make an announcement. We are going to be going through a report card. We're going to be actually cutting scenes from our weekly show uh, where we're making predictions and forecasts. And then we're going to stack those forecasts up to what actually happened in reality. And we'll be able to give ourselves a score and show you exactly what's going on. Again, this whole program is about us talking about the things we know, talking through the things that we have confidence in. But we want you to be informed for when we're wrong, you should know, right? Right, Aid? We had a big win. Let's take a look for some of the things we missed. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I guess, uh, we said Sedgwick was at a, at a bottom, could go higher. Yesterday, Sedgwick had an awesome day. Like, so oil. We said oil was probably at a peak. Oil has tanked since then. Looks like our report card this week is really pretty fantastic, honestly. 
but we're going to we're going to really dive deep and give you the real numbers. Make sure you're uh, along with us again. Hit that subscribe button so you can uh, catch all the action as it happens. Tyler, my last thought of the day. Ten years ago, I was expecting self-driving cars uh, an Apple Watch uh, teaming up with my insurance provider. I want to I want them to drive me places without me steering. I don't want Apple to know if I'm tachycardic. So I'm I'm not (laughs) sure I'm excited about this. We we noticed you're having a heart attack. Would you please watch this uh, Domino's ad and we'll, we'll call an ambulance like 30 seconds in and you'll get a free ambulance right. I don't think I'm in for that. But No. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining uh, and we'll catch you soon. Join us again on Monday for our live program. Again, Monday through Thursday, we're coming at you for, with Folico Live. Thank you all. See you Monday.